This lecture is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Deacon Danny Cahoot. Okay, Ecclesiastes, we are, that last time we left off in chapter 8, but I'm going to start back in chapter 3, getting into the lesson this morning. And it's, the whole book is about life under the sun while we're alive. The best we can do outside of redemption. Apart, knowing that there is a God and he's going to bring everything into judgment, the best that we can do. Because sometimes we just don't understand what's happening in our life and we will never figure it out. We just never will figure out. You, you, you got to ask yourself, you know, not God and question him. What is the cause of it? Because he tells us not to do that. But we can question, you know, why? Why did this happen? Not what is the cause of it? Because, you know, if you, if you study Job's life, he was judged quite a bit in his life because of all the things that just happened to him. But he didn't do anything wrong. Yet they were saying, what is the cause of all your trouble? You had to, you had to, you had to, you had to. And Job knew his heart. You know, so when trouble comes into our life, the best that we can do under the sun. Now, we do know when we mess up and God is chastising us. We do know that. There's no excuses for that when, when, when we know we're wrong. But just when storms hit clean out of the blue, that's life. And the pastor has said before, if you're not going through one, you've either already been one or get ready. It's going to come. Storms are here, part of this life. And that's just the way it is. From the cradle to the grave, we're going to battle till we're gone. And so Ecclesiastes chapter 3 We'll, we'll lead off in that it's to verse one to everything there is a season and a time and a purpose under heaven now under heaven is is why we're here see we won't need faith in heaven we won't need we won't need anything once eternity comes because but but right here there's a purpose for it we may never know the purpose time to be born and a time to die a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted. As we get further in the lesson, you know, the time, there's a time for planting. Some people just try to plant. This is just hype. This is just a, this is not um, literal. But they try to do things at the wrong time. Like we're not going to go plant corn in February. But we can plant potatoes. There's, there's a time in our life to do certain things and to not do certain things. It's a season. It's everything comes in a season. And using wisdom from God, he tells us, hey, now's time to talk. Now's time to not talk. Now's the time to weep. Now's the time to mourn. Now's, you know, we as Christians know how to guide our life. And if, if God is guiding our life, and we know, we know whether he's guiding or not. We know. We know where we are spiritually. We know where we line up. If we're in line with him, no matter how bad things get or how good things get, if we have let it go and it's in his hands, we, not, we don't say enjoy all the bad times, but trust in the Lord. He's got, he knows the end. He knows the beginning. He's let it happen. He's allowed it to happen. Okay, a time to weep. This is verse 4. A time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance. Time to cast away stones, a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to get, get and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away. 
A time to rend and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love, a time to hate. A time of war, a time of peace. So that whole context of that right there is, let me tell you, everything has a place in this world. And it's God's world. He's got control of it. He gives us direction on what, what we should do with our time. But verse 11, he hath made everything beautiful in his time, not ours. We want things done. We want to see the end. We want to know the end. We want to, sometimes we may never see it. I've got some challenges in my life that I guarantee you I'll go to heaven and won't find out why, when, or what avenues about it, what, it was, what was the cause of it on this side of the earth. It's just not going to happen. I know that. But I'll, if I'll find out one day, because the Bible says in that day, we won't ask nothing. We'll just know. And, uh, but he has made beautiful everything beautiful in his time, and he has set the world in their heart. He's talking about us, so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. And uh, so as we, as we navigate through life and through this book here that teaches us how to, to navigate through life, just keep in mind that, that to sit there and, and some people just blame God. I know people that have challenges in their life. I know them personally that have got so angry that they've left the church and won't come back. Not just this church. I'm talking about the church body in itself. I know, and I know my, my, my wife's sister, she was, she was an adopted sister. She, she says she is, and Pastor Preet said something about this on Wednesday. He said, she says, she is not going to ever go to the church because there's so many hypocrites in the church. She is not going to church. She, don't, she won't go to church, but yet, oh, how I love Jesus. She don't understand the local church sends out missionaries. The local church ministers to the poor. I mean, you might have one person. See, that's just an excuse because she's lazy. She don't want to come to church because when, she, when people get under the sound preaching and sound doctrine, it pricks the heart. And some people just can't handle conviction. They just can't handle it. And, uh, and that's the bottom line with her. She knows she's going to be faced with some, with, with have to get right. And, uh, but anyway, this, so, but for, let's see, let me jump ahead here. Okay, we are going to pick up, this is where we left off now. Just keep in mind that we're talking about God knows the end. He knows the beginning. He set it in order. And, uh. So we're going to go jump ahead here. Let's see where I'm at. Ecclesiastes chapter. I'm going to barely, briefly touch on where we were last, last time. Okay, chapter 7. Ecclesiastes. Let me find the... Okay, verse 14, verse 12. Wisdom is the defense, and money is a defense, but the excellency of knowledge is, is that wisdom giveth life to them that have it. Consider the work of God, for who can make that straight which he has made crooked? In the day of thy prosperity be joyful, but in the day of adversity consider. 
Hey, just consider, just where's your faith? God has allowed something to happen. Just consider that God is going to make it beautiful. We might not see the beauty of it, but God has set this in order. God has allowed this in our Christian life to happen. God has also set one over against the other to the end that man should find nothing after him. All things have I seen the days of my vanity that there is a just man that perisheth in his righteousness and there's a wicked man that prolongeth his life in his wickedness. And this is uh, where I'm going to, where I pretty much left off last time. Be not righteous over much, neither make thyself overwise, whether thou shouldest thou destroy thyself. Be not over much wickedness, neither be thou foolish, why shouldest thou die before thy time? Let's see. Because in this life, there's no telling when good things or terrible things are going to happen. And, uh, let's see, Ecclesiastes, I want to back up chapter 6, verse 9. Wait a minute, 639, I'm sorry. I don't have it, not 6. I'm sorry, I'm messed up here. I'm trying to, I got a verse that's written down and I go to it and it's not the one, so it's somewhere else. Hold on. Might be 839. No. Oh, boy. Okay. Oh, I know what it is. I've got it marked beside it. It's the 39th time the word all is mentioned in this one thir- first three chapters. Okay, verse 6, verse 7. Ecclesiastes 6 or 7. All the labor of a man is for his mouth, yet the appetite is not full. And that's going to lead us into what we're talking about. Have you ever noticed, no matter what, where you go, when you get up in the morning, what am I going to eat? When you meet somebody, hey, what are we going to, what are we going to do for lunch? Where are, we going to, where are we going to eat for supper? Everything is about food, total food, everything. And that's what we work for. That's what we get up there. You got to have it. But every single conversation, you can get in a car and be riding down the road in 15 minutes, somebody will say, hey, did you, you ever tried this restaurant down here? Hey, where are we going to eat to this afternoon? What we, you know, it's all about the, all of our labor, everything we do, no matter what we accumulate, no matter what we have, everything is for nourishment. And so we're going to skip down with that in mind, but I'll put that back in context when we get to it. Verse chapter 8. We're going to go with verse 1. And I'm trying to find. Where is that page? I've lost it. I don't know how you do it, preacher, if you lose your track on your notes. You know you got it, and you know you've written it down, and you know you're following it, and you're sitting there trying to say something while you're trying to find it. All right. I just don't know. I'll just go for it. Chapter 8, verse 1. Who is, this, who is as a wise man and knoweth the interpretation of a thing? A man's wisdom maketh his face shine, and the boldness of his face shall be changed. I counsel thee to keep the king's commandment in that regard of an oath of God. Be not hasty to go out of his sight, nor stand not in an evil thing, for he doeth whatsoever he pleases him. And that's just, you know, the king of kings is Christ. The king, the God is the king, right? God is the man. Now, when you make an oath to God, you can't sneak around and change that oath. In context here, we're talking about whoever's in charge. So, 
if, if there are a set of rules, even on a job, and long as you're around people that witness what you're doing and people that hear what you say, you know, you, you're, there's nothing to worry about. When you get behind somebody and you start saying things and doing things contrary to, I'm trying to say it, say it right, like God here, God knows our heart. He sets before us a set of guides. When we go out and we go against this guide, he chastens us. If you're out in public, if you're out in the world and you're out here and, and all of a sudden I'm over here and I start talking about you and it gets back to you, you're going to lose confidence in me. But if I come to you and I say, Larry, I'm never going to say this ever again in my life. And you believe me, but yet you hear me come back, hear it come back around that I've done that. Not only will you, you lose confidence in me, but you're gonna, your guard's going to be up. With anybody else around, that, that come, you, you, you can lose faith in people. That's the context of what, what, what I'm getting at here. For where the word of a, verse 4, where the word of a king is, there is power. And who may say unto him, what doest thou? Whoso keepeth the commandment shall feel no evil thing. But a wise man's heart discerneth both time and judgment. Here we go. Because to every purpose there is time and judgment. Therefore the misery of a man is great upon him. For he knoweth not that which shall be. Who can tell him what shall be? There is no man that hath power over the spirit to retain the spirit. Neither hath he power in the day of death. And there is no discharge in that war. Neither shall wickedness deliver those that are given to it. Now, God has set up a, 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 in his word things that we as Christian people line ourselves up with. I'm not going to get too much in, 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 in the topic of abortion, uh, same-sex marriage, uh, all this other stuff that are no-brainers. But God has set us, like, like right now, say for instance, you're running for an office. I'm not talking politics. I'm just saying, using this hypothetically. You're running for an office, and me, you good fun, and you line yourself up with people. Say, yeah, we want to abort babies. Yeah, we want to abort babies. You know, according to this word right here, I got to face judgment of God if I vote for you, because if I vote for you, I am voting, or I am in lining myself up with people that are killing babies. If if that makes sense. If you, when we, go to, when we go to put our stamp of approval on something that God has clearly said, no, we are lining ourselves up with anti-gods, anti-Christs, anti we are lining ourselves up with a world system. And to, to do that, we face judgment of God. Have you ever, some, this brings back to the thing, sometimes things are going so wrong in somebody's life because it is chastisement. It is God's judgment. Because if you're truly saved, if you're truly born again, if the Holy Spirit is truly engulfed in your body and you are truly got that seed of salvation in you, He will speak to you through your heart. You'll know what's right or what's wrong. Some things in this life, you don't have to sit there. Now, what should I do? Because it's spelled out in the Word of God. Now, 
If somebody just comes up and they get saved and they come down here and they get baptized and you never see them again, they don't grow. They don't grow. They don't know. They're not in the Word. They're not under teaching. They're not under preaching. They're, they're without excuse, but it's more understandable if you're out here picketing with a bunch of protesters that are full stuff against this Bible and you don't know. That's in ignorance. But if you know, then you're facing judgment. And while we're alive, the things that I do and the things that I conduct my life with affects a multitude of people. If, for instance, I've used this, uh, this uh, thing before. Say, for instance, you are standing in line. Now, I've done this in the grocery store. And you come in. And here I'm coming up to the counter, I'm standing at the counter already, and I got two bottles of wine and a six-pack of beer standing on the counter. You, you will probably not say no. You might. Danny, what are you doing? But for the, for the average, I'm not saying drink is wrong, drink is right, or whatever, but the, the world looks at drinking, smoking, and cursing as the three no-nos of a Christian life. And that would... And if I didn't know that you saw that and you saw that, you go home and say, you ain't going to believe what I saw. I saw Brother Danny in the liquor store. I saw Brother Danny. And then, she, oh, you did? And she, she gets on the phone and when she's talking to somebody, yeah, Larry happened to see, man, well, ain't he a deacon in the church? Yeah, yeah. And then, and then it just starts a fire that's not going to be put out. You can, you, can, you, can, you can try to sugarcoat it for the rest of your life. It'll never happen. So maintaining a testimony with a Christian life because we know what's right and wrong. And, but the Bible does say to eat and drink and enjoy your life, and that's a gift of God. Because once we die, the only thing that we're going to take with us is souls that we have won the Lord. We're not going to actually take them. God's going to already take them. But nothing else matters. I mean, all the stuff we fight about, all the stuff we talk about, all the stuff that gets mad, all the stuff, everything from the beginning of our life to the end no longer matters. It's gone. And verse 9 of chapter 8, all this I have seen and applied my heart unto every work that is done under the sun, and there is, no, there is a time wherein a man ruleth over another to his own hurt. And uh, I'm trying to find these other verses. Hang on, I'll get them. Yeah, that's where I wanted to go to begin with. Okay. Rule us over another to his own hurt. You can set up a bunch of laws and, and stuff in your home and, you, and govern your home that way. But if you say, for instance, you're a foreman on the boss, a foreman on your job, and you sit there and you, you say, okay, I like him better than me. I'm going to, look, you go do this job this, 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 because you don't want your buddy to do, the, the, you want your buddy to have the good job. You want somebody you don't really care about to do the nasty job. And you start picking and choosing how, who, you want to, who you want to do what. It, that will come back to bite you every single time. Let's back up a little bit, and this, I'll, I'll get. Let's back up. To, here's where I wanted to go a few minutes ago. Here we go. 
Okay, be, verse, ch- chapter 7, verse 16. Be not righteous overmuch, neither make thyself overwise. Why shouldest thou destroy yourself? Okay, here's what this is talking about. Let's go to Luke chapter 18 real quick. I'm back on track now. I'm sitting here trying to figure this out. Luke chapter 18 real quick. Don't sit there and try to be over-religious to people and, and browbeat people with a Bible and so how much you know about this and how much you know about that. Luke chapter 18, starting with verse 9. And this is Jesus talking. And he spake a parable unto certain who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. You know, they walk around, they think that, that, that oh, finger pointing and judging all the time. Look at him, look at her, look what he did, look at, look at this and look at that. Yeah, you shouldn't have said this, you shouldn't have said The Bible says this and that. The place to preach is at the pulpit and with your smile and your Christian living outside. Two men went up into the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a publican. A publican is a tax collector. A publican was hated amongst the Jews. A publican uh, was just a, just, a, just a total hatred amongst the Jews. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus within himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men. You know, I am so glad I don't walk around and do that. I'm so glad I don't walk around here and say that. I'm so glad, oh God, that, 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 that I'm not like Brother Larry here. Because, and, and, you know, I've heard Brother Larry cuss. I've heard Brother I've seen Brother Larry hiding in a corn with a little paper bag. You know, I've seen Brother... I'm just using... <laughs> you know, I've, I've seen how he lives his Christian life. Thank you so much, oh God, that I'm not like him. You know... Where's your forgiveness? God, I pray and I thank thee that I'm not as other men who are extortioners, unjust, adulterers, even as this publican. And the publicans were considered by the Jews as the most sinful people there were because you would have, they, they, would, they would come by and they would uh, say, okay, I'm going to tax you. $100 for this, pay the tax, the, the, pay, pay the Moki $50 and pocket 50 They would overtax. And so they were just hated. They were thieves. Okay, I, I fast twice a week. Let me tell you something, people. I fast twice a week. Twice a week. How long do you fast? In uh. I give tithes, I tithe, I tithe, I tithe. Let me tell you something. When he took up the Christmas offering last week, I put in X amount of money. You know, last year, when, you know, and and they said, uh, you know, boy, I I, I give so much to the church. How much do you give? And the publican standing afar off. This is the sinful man. Would not even so much as lift up his eyes to heaven, but smote upon his chest, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this is how God looks at people like that. This man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be justified. Never put yourself up on a pedestal as somebody that you're not. Because let me tell you something, at the drop of a hat, every one of us can fail and every one of us do fail. And there's not one of us in here 
that can, that can do things that are just, just outside of this book right here. The best thing to do when we get talking about our prayer life is you got to figure how holy God is. And he turns his back on sin. I mean, he turned, when, when Christ took the, the sin of this world on him, he turned his back on that. He couldn't have fellowship with that. The fellowship was broken. When we go to approach God in prayer, we sit here. We can't carry, you know, it's kind of like when you're planting a garden. You plant a garden, you all of a sudden you got all this good fruit coming in and all that. A weed grows, a weed grows, a weed grows. You start pulling weeds. Next thing you know, you go on vacation for a week. You come back and say, oh my goodness, I'll never catch up. And you start pulling and you start pulling and you start pulling weeds and pulling weeds and pulling weeds and the weeds keep coming. And then finally you get to the point where you say, it's too much work. I ain't doing it. Just let it go. And you let your whole crop go. You don't got enough. You don't had enough. And then you get so worn out trying to pull in weeds and pulling weeds that you finally say, that's enough. I give up. Bringing it back home spiritually. If we don't sit here and put our faults under the blood and ask forgiveness, and, just, and this has to be done every day, folks. You have to get your, your, we have to get our life in line every single day or pretty soon. <sighs> Boy. The load gets heavier, the load gets heavier, the load gets heavier. And then we start praying to God and he's not going to hear us because the Bible says if we hide iniquity in our heart, he will not hear us. So we have to get rid of the, the, the iniquity, the wrongs. The, we have to make the wrongs right. Or it's going to get such, yeah, forget it. You know, Lord, thank you for the food in Jesus' name, amen. But when we go to the cross, we say, Lord, dear Lord, I fail. Forgive me, Lord. Cleanse me, Lord. Cleanse me up. Lord Jesus, please forgive me. For, because if you said in your word, if we, if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us. And put that under the blood. And you know in your own heart when you're right. You know that. We all do. Then with that behind, we can approach a holy God. He says, whatever you ask me, I'll give it to you. It doesn't matter what but I can't answer if we hadn't stopped. So we get cleaned up and then we come up, not just, just dead prayers, but you approach him. Oh Lord, God, you're such a holy God. I mean, just think about how can, picture God being the God, the creator right in front of you. How can we, how can we even look at him? But you just humble yourself, oh God, don't need to say nothing. He knows why we're there. He knows what we need before we ask him. But you know what he likes? Like when my children were smaller, they would come up to us in February or, or whenever it was or, or whenever and say, can we go to Disney World? I know they want to go to Disney World. Yeah, we'll go. They want to go now. But yeah, we'll go. So in my own heart, I know they want to go. And I'm going to take them, and I'm going to give it to them. And so that's the same way, but God knows what we want, but he wants to hear us ask him, oh God, I've got this need in my life. This is something that I can't handle on my own. I have to have you intervene. 
But that comes with the forgiveness in our life. Okay, let's go to one more. Matthew chapter 12 real quick. This is on the same line. Matthew chapter 12. Okay, Matthew chapter 12, we're going to go verse 40. Verse 40. No, verse uh, 43. This is talking about when, how, what people, how people get their prayer life all mixed up by trying to do things on their own. Without, without, replace, without asking the Holy Spirit to take control. When an unclean spirit has gone out of a man, they're not talking about a de- demon-possessed person. They're talking about somebody that's mean, that's hateful, that they said things they shouldn't have done, they're going down the road, and all of a sudden you sit there and fly off the handle, you get angry, you carry on, and all this stuff. Unchristian-like character. That's the, that, that when, when, when an unchristian-like character takes over a person, that's an evil part. God is not the author of confusion. The Holy Spirit is not leading us to be mean, hateful, and, and, and carry on. When an unclean spirit has gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest and finding none. Then he saith, I will return from the house when I came out, and when he has come, he findeth it empty. And this is talking about turning over a new leaf. You know, I'm not doing that no more. I'm Lord, oh God, I'm sorry. Forgive me, Lord Jesus. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do better. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to do so much better. And, you, and it's self-reformation. Instead of saying, oh God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your love. Enter me with that Holy Spirit and guide me and protect me. And you fill your heart and you fill your house and you fill yourself with the Holy Spirit. Because if you're walking hand in hand with the Holy Spirit and He is guiding and He is leading and He is in charge, there's no room for the devil. There's some things that people, that people can say and people can do and there's no way, you can't judge but there's some things that people can do and say that you can sit there and say, you know, that is not of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not directing your words, is not directing your heart, is not you know, I'm not talking about finger pointing, I'm talking about discernment. Verse 44, then I saith, I will return unto the house whence I came and find, came out. And when he has come, he found that it empty, swept and garnished. Oh, they've cleaned their life up a little bit. They've done this and they've done that and they've changed furniture and they painted the house and they've got, they're looking good on the outside. But they haven't asked the Holy Spirit to take complete charge of their life. They're empty. And therefore the devil can influence them. Somebody runs into you in a car, you know, somebody's paid, you know, it happens on the road all the time in traffic. You know, these things happen in life that just the Holy Spirit is not in charge and we just say things. We just do things. We just act a certain way. That, that the Holy Spirit is not there. But if a person cleans their house, garnishes their house, gets the forgiveness, gets the blood applied, and, they, and they, they've got that yoked up with the Holy Spirit, and he is in control. He is in the heart. He is in the body. He, is, he, he never leaves. Once a person is truly born again, that seed of salvation is in there. It's in there. The thing that's neglected most of the time is... is uh, with Christian's life, 
is it's not watered. It doesn't get light. It doesn't get fed. And it's like having a jar with a seed in it and a top on it set up on a shelf. That's all it will ever be is a seed. Yeah, it's a, say if it's a corn seed. Yeah, that's corn. It's corn seed. You can identify it. Unless it's planted, unless it's watered, unless it gets light, unless it gets good soil, it'll always be nothing more than just a corn seed. It's not going to do anything. It's not going to produce fruit. It's not going here's, here's the other thing. thing. How, many, how many apples are in one apple seed? Think about that. Truthfully, how many apples are in one apple seed? If it's just sitting on a shelf, none. But if you plant it in a, couple, in a few years, you got a tree full of apples. Look how many seeds you have then. Those seeds get planted. Look how many seeds you got then. So one apple seed contains enough apples in it to feed the entire world apples. One Christian leads another Christian Needs another Christian. Needs another Christian. Those five get ten. Look at it this way. What if we got 50 people in this church saying, for one year, in one year, I'm going to personally take a goal and say, I'm going to be responsible for bringing one person into the church. What if 50 people actually said that and committed to it? Now, if you go before a holy God and say, Lord God, forgive me. Oh, God. Help me find one, just one in my life before I die. Just one, just one, just one. And you begin to pray and you begin to ask God to help you. And you, Now, do you think God is going to say, no, nah, I don't want you to invite nobody. I don't want you to have nobody. You just think how many, if 50 people committed to just one soul, one person, one, one person in the one year's time, and what if that happened the second year? Those 50 new people said, I'm going to get one. And this is how this is the, this is the multiplying of fruit. But when somebody is empty and they don't have the Holy Spirit working in them, their prayers are dead. Okay, I'm, I'm, I've got to finish, hurry up and finish up here. Okay, let's go back to Ecclesiastes and then I'll finish up. Okay, I'm going to come back to, to chapter 5, and this is where I'll pick up next week. Chapter 5, verse 6. Actually, let's go to chapter, verse 1 of chapter 5. Keep thy foot when I goest in the house of God, and be more ready to hear than to give sacrifice of fools, for they consider not to do evil. Be not rash with their mouth, and let thy heart, not, not thine heart say, utter anything before God. God is in heaven and thou upon the earth, wherefore let thy words be few. Be few. Let's go to verse 6 here, and this is where I'll finish up here, because I'm, I still have a lot I want to talk about this the next time. Suffer not thy mouth to cause thy flesh to sin, neither say before the angel. Every one of us have guardian angels. Every single one of us have guardian angels in our life. Now, when all this stuff happens in our life, it's, the God is telling us, especially in the house, why is the preacher doing it this way? Why are they doing it this way? Why are they doing it? Why, why, why? Hey, God has given the pastor directions to run this church in our own life. Don't question God. If, you're, if your heart is right, don't question him. Why do you let this happen? Say not thou before the angel that it was an error, wherefore God should be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands. 
Now, there are so many angels that God has set to govern this world. And uh, we're going to talk a lot about angels the next time. But I wanted to, to throw, get that in. And here we, here's, the, uh, here's where I'll finish up here. Let me find this here. I'll tell you what, when you leave, I got, my whole lesson was left at home this morning, and so I'm winging it here with what, what I've got left. Okay, we're going to start, uh, let's go back, wait a minute, hang on. I'll start back from the beginning here and then finish up with that. Whatever, verse 10 of chapter 9. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with thy might, for there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave where thou goest. I returned and saw under the sun the race that is not swift, nor the battle to the strong, neither bread to the wise, neither yet riches to the men of understanding, nor yet favor to the men of skill, but time and chance happens to all. For man also knoweth not his time, but as the fishes that are in the evil net and as the birds that are caught in a snare, so are the sons of men, so are the sons of men snared in an evil time when it falleth suddenly upon them. None of us know when our time is up. None of us. None of us know when our time is up. So this whole book is about life under the sun, the time we have here, where God has allowed us to live and he's going to take us away one day. And so no matter what you argue about all this, you can, you, can, you can have tremendous wealth or be dirt poor. It, somebody that's dirt poor, when they leave this earth, that same thing is going to happen to the filthy rich man. It's all over. So the, this whole book is about the best that we can possibly do, knowing that there is a holy God and that uh, he will bring everything into judgment, whether it's good or bad. It doesn't matter. We all, every one of us have a timeline that we're living on. And we're all going to die sooner or later. And it doesn't matter what we've done on this earth. It'll all be forgotten. You go back two generations. Your great-grandfather, you know nothing about him. I know nothing about my great-grandfather other than his name. Some of us don't even know that. We don't know where he lived, where he grew up, where he went to school, what he did, what he enjoyed, nothing about him, where, what he worked, what he did, nothing. So you look back in another hundred years, look ahead another hundred years, when every one of us are dead, that's going to be us. Nobody will ever know what we did, where we went, who we were, no, it'd be just gone. So the best that we can do right now, because we're going to be somewhere else a whole lot longer than we are here, the best that we can do is, is I want to go to this last verse and end with this last verse. And I'll be finished, I promise you. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13. And I'll pick back up here the next time I teach. Verse 12, chapter 12, verse 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. You listen to Deacon Danny Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.